Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. Uh, I'm your co-host, Alex. And I'm Evan. Uh, And today we're going to be going into book two of Avatar, and book two is Earth. I always used to think book three was my favorite just because the conclusion is awesome. But after taking a look at this book, this, this might be my favorite book. This was a lot of fun and a lot of really deep, important stuff happens in this book. I think I over-romanticize book three just because it includes all the final battles, which is great. But um, yeah, there's a lot to love in in book two as well. There's a lot going on here. We meet two mainstay characters for the rest of the series in Toph and Azula, uh, Mm -hmm. who are are, both main characters. And this is the season that they get introduced. Um, And I love Toph. I think most people would agree, but Toph is amazing. Toph is a lot of, uh, she's a great addition to the group. Um, And she, she, I I don't want to say she fits in because at first she kind of has some conflict with the group, but she fits in, in the aspect that she doesn't feel forced as a new character. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool how they introduce her in the swamp episode where she appears in a vision uh, to aim when they're in these mystical, this mystical forest swamp area. Um, and so he kind of sees her as a vision and he doesn't know who she is yet. And, and the viewer as well hasn't met Toph at this point. So she was kind of a mystery for a couple episodes before we actually get to, to meet her. Yeah. So we have met Azula up at this point. So I guess we'll start with her cause we'll start at the beginning of the season, but Azula is going to be our, our, our main new villain that we see mm-hmm. in this while Zuko is still, well, Zuko takes a lot of twists and turns this season. Yeah. So uh, I'll call him a villain in the fact, just for story wise, but Azula is the villain. She's pretty badass. Her fire is blue, which no other firebender we see has that hot of flames. I'm assuming it's a temperature thing. It's really <laughs> badass. It's really cool. I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was pretty interesting how uh, season two, you kind of see a, a, a role reversal between Aang and Zuko where mm-hmm. At the beginning of book one, Aang is the one who's on the run, and Zuko is a little more established. And at the beginning of book two, now Zuko is on the run from Azula, and Aang is a little more confident in his role as the Avatar. So they've kind of flip-flopped where they are standing-wise. Yeah, Yeah, Zuko Uh, takes a lot of tumbles tumbles this time, being on the run. mm -hmm. I mean, he's on the run the whole season, the whole time, till the very end. and so. That's interesting. I never thought about that because we have we've been talking about how this is Aang and Zuko's story, and so it's cool to see a little bit of a role reversal of the two. Yeah, he like starts out uh, Zuko and Iroh start out the season um, just kind of wandering the Earth Kingdom, and we see our first instance of short hair Zuko, stud Zuko. Where what is, so what's the uh, so we got what Zuko and Iroh are up to? They're basically on the run. Azula is looking for both them and the avatar and you know what she's doing a damn good job at both basically (laughs) she's Uh able to keep up with everyone um but what is the gang doing so they they've left the north pole and now they're looking for an earthbender teacher Mm -hmm. and so they are going back to omashu which we kind of 
glossed over this in our first episode on book one, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they want to go back to Omashu because it's a a pretty prominent earth kingdom. And the king of Omashu is Bumi, who is uh, an old, old king who happens to be a childhood friend of Aang's. Which means he's over a hundred. Yeah, he's over a (laughs) hundred for sure. And he's an Um, amazing earthbender. We we saw this in season one, but yeah, uh uh, this is where, so he's, Aang is like, this is the only person that's going to teach me. Yeah, it makes sense. Best friend. He's an amazing earthbender. Uh-huh. He kind of reminds me of uh, in season one when he first flings off his rub and mm-hmm. it shows that he's like super jacked and he's <laughs> a very intimidating earthbender. It kind of reminds me of Master Roshi from like oh, Dragon Ball. Good comparison where he <laughs> looks like a feeble old man and, and then, then gets super buff to do his command, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> good comparison. Yeah, I, I like Boomy. Boomy's really goofy, really eccentric. In any sort of uh, realistic situation, you know, this guy's not going to be the king of, uh, of the nation, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's great that he's Aang's friend because also Aang, as we know, he, he feels a lot of guilt uh, that all the air nomads have been wiped out. So yeah. I'm sure it's got to be really nice to have one friend still around from from back then. Uh huh. And so when they get to Omashu, uh, it's not good. Yeah, they found that it's been taken over by the Fire Nation, right? Yeah, just completely taken over. They get there and it's it's got banners. It's uh, there's steam coming out of it, which I love that that symbolizes like the fire nation is, is there. Like, I don't know if things are on fire yeah, yeah, or if it's industrialization, <laughs> but uh, there's steam coming out of it and they get there and, and obviously Boomy is uh, locked up. He's in jail. And uh, so they're like, we got to get him. They try to free him, which yeah, is, and uh, they do. I, yeah, they do free him. But so we, since we didn't talk much about this in the first book, I love something as trivial as these mail slides comes into play in season two. We have this high speed like chase scene of mm-hmm. them sliding down these rails, running away from Azula. Uh, it's a really fun scene to watch. And it made me realize every fight scene in this show is like unique for one reason or another, whether it's the bending matchups. Cause I mean, if you think about it four times four is going to be well with Aang. Yeah. So I mean, you have 16 different combinations of fights just right there. Mm-hmm. But then they throw in these different settings and these different stakes and different things that are going on. Every single battle in this show, none of them feel repetitive to the last one. They all feel unique for a different reason. Yeah, there's there's always a distinct fight choreography, and they always make use of the setting as well, um, especially in some of the later uh, fights in this season. Yeah, definitely. And this is a this is a good show of starting that though, because this is right. This is episode one or two of the season. Uh, yeah, so they, so they oh, get there. Three, and, it's three. Okay. So they've gotten to Mashu. They try to spring Boomy free. I I remember they get pulled underground uh, by mm-hmm. the Earth Kingdom citizens, rebels. At this point, yeah. They're mad at Boomy because he hasn't done anything. He hasn't fought back. And that's his, and it's kind of perplexing at first because he's one of the most powerful earthbenders. When they finally manage to free him, Boomy decides to stay in prison and, and stay a prisoner of the Fire Nation. You realize he could earthbend the whole time he was actually in this jail cell. Like he could get himself oh, yeah. out. He's, he's like, he just, face. yeah, he just eyebrows. needs his face, uh, uh, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Like, that's a really powerful bender, but uh-huh. he, 
you realize he could bend this whole time. He like saves them from something and Aang's kind of upset. He's like, what, why are you chilling in a jail cell? If you're able to have done this the whole time. And he brings up this concept of of Jing, um, Mm -hmm. which is like energy. So Aang thinks he knows everything and, and says, yeah, there's, you know, positive and negative Jing. And then Boomy throws in the third, there's also a neutral Jing, the art of doing nothing and, and letting, you know, things play out. And I, this season I kind of made a habit of, uh, cause I did actually go back and watch it again. So this is my second time going through in a month. Beautiful. Um, but I would just like jot down anytime I heard a semi Chinese sounding word and kind of <laughs> look it up. So I looked yeah. it up and it does mean energy and spirit, uh, or spirit. Um, but also <laughs> I don't know if they looked at the second definition, but it can be, uh, Jing, uh, can also translate to sperm like nice life energy. Yeah. Life yeah. energy. Whoa. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Also random. Um, a couple things I forgot in our first episode on book one that oh. I want to mention real quick. Another yeah. Asian sounding word. Uh, princess Yue means moon. Yue means moon in Chinese. It's pronounced <laughs> a little differently, but, uh, um, but and then duh. We, <laughs> we talked about the, uh, voice actors last time. Yeah. And I, I don't know how we forgot to mention, uh, Dante Bosco who voices Zuko is Rufio from hook. Yeah. Which everyone will probably recognize. I got a good friend into avatar recently once it came on Netflix and she was like, is that, Rufio, for, uh, like she, she recognized him from Hook. I was like, "Whoa, yeah!" I didn't yeah. even realize that that was a popular. Uh, I, I got a good laugh out of that. But back okay. to book two. Back to the the, the show at hand. Uh, in the early days, so we covered a little bit. But the next episode here, after they go to Omashu, they leave because Booby's not. I, can I stop you right there? I think uh, I would. I don't want to forget this episode. Also introduces Azula's two friends. Ah, okay, Ellie yeah. and May, uh, and they're recurring characters, and they'll, you know, they're they play an important her, part. Their team Azula, yes, uh, they're as present as Team Avatar in this season. They're equally as I don't want to say as strong as Azula, but they got skills. Yeah. Uh, Tylee is a chi blocker, correct? Is a chi blocker? Yes, that is like very powerful in this universe. Cause not only does it stop your bending, but it also like immobilizes them, which mm-hmm. is, it's, it's really powerful. And she's a very acrobatic. So she's always jumping and flying around. May's going to play an important part, but we don't know enough about her right now. So we won't get into that, but just people yeah. to keep in mind. Good. I'm glad you brought them up. Good call. Good call. This next episode, we covered a little bit of the swamp. They, this is where we run into the swamp benders, which, uh, I guess they're just waterbenders, but they were cool to yeah. me. It, it's a different look at waterbending where they are controlling vines and making like mm-hmm. a giant plant monster. And you're like, yeah. oh, is there plant bending? And you're like, oh, no, that's just waterbending, obviously. <laughs> I do love all the permutations of, of bending. Like, that's the best they go, part. They go beyond the four just basic elements and find these different applications yeah. for it. And we'll touch on them as they come up, because uh, this this season we'll see a few. This is probably one of the first ones we see, actually, though, is the swamp bending. Uh, mm-hmm. or I keep calling it that. I don't like that term. It's just water bending. But yeah. uh, they're <laughs> they're controlling plants, and it's it's pretty powerful when they're in this when they uh, fall into this swamp here, and they get lost, and they have these weird visions. Uh, the swamp's yeah. definitely got some magical properties. Katara saw her mother. Or am I making I think, that up? I think it was her mother. 
Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, they had they all had some traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Aang saw Toph though, which is kind of cool because I mean we're gonna meet her the just in a couple episodes, but it's like she's fated to be his earthbending teacher. So swamp, not too much happens in that episode. Like I said, I, uh, the plant bending is really cool to me. Avatar, Avatar Day. I think the funniest part of that one, we like, is that they think it's going to be like a celebration of the Avatar Day, and uh-huh. then it's not. They're just pissed yeah. at the Avatar, and they burn those down. <laughs> Avatar Day. That's the one where Aang is put on trial, right? Yeah. For his past life. For the of, crimes of Avatar Kyoshi. Which is important actually to talk about because Kyoshi, she doesn't play a huge role in the series, but she's an influence. And this is yeah. a good episode of that. This is Aang dealing with his past life. So we've met uh, Avatar Roku. And I'm curious, do you, do you think Avatar Roku was named before like Roku, the, the TV? I would imagine so. I don't I know. Think so, I think so too. <laughs> Probably. I think that's funny. Uh, but so Avatar Kyoshi, uh, this this village, uh, I, the timeline sounded off. They said like 300 or 400 years ago, Avatar Kyoshi killed well, their leader. I just read this uh, on some random article today. Apparently there's a novelization that explores her you know, life story. Yeah. And she's supposedly one of the oldest Avatars to have lived. And she lived oh. like hundreds maybe 200 years or so well then that would make a little more sense i remember hearing (laughs) that and thinking well if she's two lifetimes ago that doesn't make sense also though what am i thinking ang has been frozen a hundred years as well um so could could be possible she's also random fact why do we know so much about avatar kyoshi she's the tallest avatar she's almost seven (laughs) feet tall she's ginormous don't they have her like footprint and yeah, and her, and her episode, foot yeah. is huge. <laughs> it's a ginormous foot, and it just looks small because it's like next to Aang's, who's a child. But mm. she's the tallest Avatar. I think that's so funny. I don't know why I know this. <laughs> From but, reading uh, the Avatar wiki, hundred percent. Yeah, somewhere on my Twitter timeline. Uh, I think it's interesting, though. This is. Uh, the whole, I mean, we could get, I don't want to get like religious or whatever, but the whole idea of like reincarnation, mm-hmm. like to me, that was not Aang that did that to their leader, but the way this is all set up, the reincarnation, the cycle of the avatar, they, they, they hold Aang accountable for it. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. You, I mean, just like a philosophical, do you think you should be held accountable for your actions in your past life? I, I guess I would hope not. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know. I was, I, f- I don't feel like I was in control of anything, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting thing to look at. I, I like I, just an interesting little tidbit. The, the, that was not the focus of the episode at all. So this village really doesn't like the avatar because, uh, avatar Kyoshi had killed, um, their, their leader centuries back. And so now Aang is on trial for it. And, the episode's kind of about Sokka and Katara and Aang trying to prove his innocence. But also, <laughs> we don't just spend time in this episode there. We also cut to Zuko a couple times. And this goes back to the whole mirroring thing. While he's exiled, he's donned his blue spirit mask again. Yeah. And he's like out committing crimes. So in this episode, <laughs> like while You're Aang is on trial for... <laughs> committing these crimes oh zuko is out committing crimes you see what i'm saying yeah uh, yeah no no i totally get it uh i love i love the contrast between the two but ready for this one 
Aang is trying to own up. Like he's willing to be like, no, like let's where Zuko's like, it's a little different. He's doing survival mm-hmm. mode. Well, yeah, he's true. a little bit more. He's on the Robin Hood side of survival mode there, taken mm-hmm. from those who don't uh, necessarily need it. And this is where we do start to see, you know, Iroh and Zuko are having a little bit of um, differences and how they should live while r- on the run. Zuko is still under the impression he can get the Avatar and like, now he's got to like doubly reclaim his honor. You know what I mean? Whereas before it was like, there was a standing invite of, if you get the Avatar Zuko, you can come back before or now it's kind of like, don't come back. Don't don't bother. And Iroh doesn't agree with Zuko's uh, uh, stealing food. No, because Iroh is the moral backbone of this show. And it's funny that he starts out on the evil side of things because mm-hmm. you don't see him doing evil things, but he's associated with all the firebenders. He's he, yeah. he was supposed to be lead firebender at one point and he's chosen a different path. And in season one, we're just getting peeks at that. And here in season two, not only is Iroh seeking that for himself, he's tr- trying desperately t- to get Zuko to see like yeah, that. There's he, a better he, way. There's a, there's a better option and so ah, I could talk about it forever. But so let's move on to the next episode. It's the Blind Bandit. This is where we officially meet Toth, who is the daughter of a very high and powerful family. She's also blind, and her mm-hmm. family obviously is very protective of her, as anyone would be of a, of a blind child. Um, but yeah. we slowly find out that she does not need to be pampered or taken care of. She keeps her earthbending abilities which are pretty considerable, uh, kind of low profile. Yeah. Um, Evan just really downplayed it by saying that she's a badass earthbender. She's probably the best. <laughs> We've just seen like a whole underground ring of earthbenders. And then sh- we go to this underground ring and she's dominating these older buff dudes. Toph is super skilled at what she does. In in a short amount of time, she's had less years to study than them, and she had to overcome the fact also that, and you know, this is probably why she's so good at earthbending, is she uses earthbending to see. She uses it as mm-hmm. like an echolocation sonar through her feet into the ground, and she just picks up anything that's on the ground. Uh, it's really cool because at first you'd be like, well, how's this blind person doing this, 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 and this. And when she explains it, you're like, oh, that's, it's one of these kind of, it's not the same as like lightning or plant bending, but it's a different variation of bending bending. that we've seen is these little seismic, I don't even know what to call them. Echolocation is kind of a good Tremors. term. Yeah. Tremors, yeah. yeah. Um, and so she doesn't wear shoes because that's essentially like putting a blindfold on for her. Aang knows this is the right earthbending master for him because uh, in the Omashu episode, Bumi had said to find um, a master who listens and waits before striking. And that's pretty much the whole uh, philosophy behind how Toph is able to earthbend. She has yeah. to listen in and feel the earth moving beneath her uh, before she strikes. Yeah, because Bumi just told him that a couple episodes ago, and that is what mm-hmm. Toph does. Uh, wow, I love that. I, I love that. Love that. Love that. It's such a great. So Toph is one of my favorite characters. She is such a great addition to the group. She's unique as a character. Um, now, if you've watched Korra, she actually was 
like in the initial drawing, she was supposed to look like Bolin. She was going to be named, I think still Toph actually, but it was, it was going to okay. be Bolin, the face of Bolin. Uh-huh. And someone like last second was like, Oh, how funny would it be if it was like, a girl it's like a, a tiny girl, girl a dainty yeah. little girl instead <laughs> and they just loved it and they ran with it and i i yeah. love that kind of thing because think of how different the series would probably be if toff was you know not exactly as she is yeah she is uh definitely a voice or a tone that is not present in team avatar she's very yes. headstrong um whereas i mean Saka might come close, but he's more of just comedic relief. Katara's level-headed one. Aang is the free spirit. Yep. And she's there to be headstrong, confident, and and stand her ground. That's right. Yeah. Uh, We're about to get into it, but since uh, we're we're touching on it right now, another great example of these personality types come through in their bending. Like Toph is, you know, strength, durability. I can do this on my own. I I don't need anyone. I'm going to do it my way or, or the highway. Katara is more in tune with change emotions coming. Yeah. Pull and the free spirit. That's literally what air is all about. And we're, we're going to get into Iroh's description of the four elements in just a second, but that's, that's the next episode. So once we get into that one, we, we can discuss it. I love that part. I'm glad you brought that back up because even story-wise, season one was a lot about Aang having to be flexible yeah. and, uh, you know, work around stuff uh, to problem solve. Like in um, the Canyon episode, whatever that one's called, where they go down yeah. and they lead... The, the Great the, Divide. The Great Divide. They lead the villagers through that. And at the end of it, he lies to them to get them to make yeah. amends, these two groups. It's and pretty classic. Him, like kind of working around and being flexible. This season, we talked about the Kiyoshi episode where he's on trial. And how does that episode end? Is Aang, as Kiyoshi, just admits to the crime and says, I did it for these reasons. Mm-hmm. He was a conqueror. He was, you know, an authoritarian. And so I stopped his role. So it's like story-wise this um this season is very much about them establishing that confidence and, and being able to yeah. cuz they're these kids who have to stand up to an oppressive regime and they're season 1 they weren't quite confident season 2 they're starting to build that. Yeah. And Kyoshi was an earthbender. It it's a personality mm-hmm. thing. I love it. I love that they take they 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 don't ever miss it. They don't mess up with it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. If they are that bender, they exude some quality of that element. Toph, great example of it. We've met earthbenders, but Toph is really one that embodies a lot of these earthbending qualities. She's a mainstay. She's gonna be here the rest of the series, um, which is great because she's awesome. Yeah, at the end of the episode, the blind bandit, she joins Team Avatar. She runs away. Her parents are pretty protective of her, so they forbade her from going, but she she runs away anyways. Headstrong. That's how she is, yeah. Yeah, and so her running away is actually uh, an important plot point because her parents are going to send people to look after her, or not look after her, to go find her uh, yeah. to Earthbenders. So that's an important plot point that'll come up later. But then this next episode, like I've been hyping it up, I feel like, is <laughs> Zuko alone. Um this is a great episode. This is uh, yeah. one of uh, it may be the only episode. 
Well, actually, I do think Aang is in it just for a second. But so I was going to say maybe the only episode without Aang in it. But so this episode is about Zuko. He has left. So I, I'm, we probably missed it. But in the last episode, him and Iroh split ways. And it's on rewatch, it's really sad because you know how much Iroh cares for, for Zuko. But this is all, I'm skipping ahead a little just, but this is another great thing about Iroh is he's understanding of why Zuko felt he needed to leave. And you know what? Iroh doesn't get mad. He doesn't like, oh, what a brat. He follows him and he waits. Ah, so good. He does. Ah, so good. But uh, some of these points from Zuko alone, this is probably, so Zuko saved Aang from General Zhao, but that was kind of self-serving. This is really the first time we see Zuko do something for someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's it's a really good episode. Uh, something I really like, he meets this family. It's got this little boy, and the little boy's oldest brother went off to war, which you know Zuko doesn't feel responsible for, but he definitely feels guilt over this war. Um, mm-hmm. And the little boy's name, do you know it? Do you know this little boy's name that he meets? Uh, it's Lee. But, yeah, it's right? Lee. It's Lee. That's the name that Zuko uses later in the Earth Kingdom. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I did not pick up on that. No. Don't don't sleep That's on awesome. my connection ability. Um, I he said that, and I go, "Am I misremembering?" I'm like, uh, I thought that was Zuko's name later in the series. No, he heard this name from this little boy, and when asked for a fake name, what was on his mind? Uh, what was on Lee. his mind, Lee? This little boy, yeah. Wow. Because he goes through an emotion. That's good. That's good. I, I know. I, first thing I wrote down <laughs> when I watched this episode. So this is a great episode for a lot of reasons. I just touched on that one. It's really great. But so Zuko is is going to go out of his way here to try to help this family that helped him. What did they do? They took him in for a night and they fed him, which, oh, this is great too. Zuko looks gaunt. He looks like he's starving. Like he is uh-huh. skinny in this episode. He is, he's on the run. He's on the run and he's all alone now too. He doesn't have his uncle Iroh. God, I'm going to cry. I'm just kidding. But so he is going to help this family that helped him by standing up to these bullies, which, so if this is the first time Zuko does something for someone else. This is the first time we see Zuko stick up for someone else. Yeah. This is the first and time he has we to see do him. it without his firebending. That's right. Oh, that's right. And so he's not firebending. He's only using his dual bladed swords. And because he doesn't want to get caught as a firebender, no one likes firebenders. But so he's, and he's on the run. He, he can't be exposed. But so he stands up to these bullies, which is going to be a big part of Zuko's arc. And this is mm-hmm. the first time we see it. He's standing up for what he believes in, what is right. And yep. So another thing that's really, God, so many foreshadowing things here. He, Lee is kind of looking for an older brother figure, but so when he sees Zuko come in, he thinks Zuko is cool as hell. And Mm -hmm. while Zuko's sleeping, he takes his dual bladed swords and is like messing around with them in the field. And Zuko stumbles upon him and Lee is scared. He thinks he's going to get in trouble, but Zuko takes a moment to, to teach him. He goes, you know, you're using those blades wrong. And this is what it's he a said. Very Iroh moment. It's so Iroh. <laughs> he takes the time to teach this kid. And this is something that he says though. And it is so much foreshadowing for Zuko. It's unreal. He says these, you're using them as two separate swords. 
There are two swords, but it's one weapon. The two halves come together to make one whole. And that, I don't want to spoil book three, but if you know how Zuko's <laughs> story ends, you know that Zuko is all about using the two halves of you know what he's got going on, his lineage, his, his heritage. He's bringing, oh, yeah. he's bringing these two halves together to make something better, to make something mm-hmm. stronger. To, ah, yeah. I love it. I seriously love it. I can't get over how, because <laughs> that is not some, that's not going to come into play for another season and a half where yeah. we get into the duality of Zuko, if you will. And yep. this is such a tiny little breadcrumb that they left us so early on. And it's just so nice because on a rewatch, I picked up on it instantly. He's talking two halves, same hole. Zuko, you need that advice later on. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Uh, he's standing up to the bullies. He makes this connection with this kid that he had, he, I don't want to say was scared to make these relationships, but just really was not able to because his sole focus yeah. was getting home and getting his honor back. And now he's out traveling the world trying to survive, and he found the kindness of strangers in a time of need, and, and it taught him, you know, it's it's okay to to it's okay to be kind to others. It's okay yeah. to help. It's okay to help them out, even if you're not getting anything in exchange. And it ends on a really sad beat, though. He has to fight the the soldiers first. Yeah, one of the better fight scenes of the season, um, and he. Initially, because he's not using his firebending, he starts losing. It's not looking good for him. Uh, and in his season two moment of standing his ground and embodying the earthbender philosophy, he stands back up in this blaze of fire and he beats them with firebending and declares that he said, I'm Prince Zuko, heir yep. apparent to the throne. That's right. Uh, despite, you know, the danger it might put him in. You know, it's him recognizing who he is. He has to claim, he can't run from it. No. He has to be able to claim that part of himself and able to move forward. Oh, it's so good. He has this moment of triumph. He's, you know, I am who I am. I'm going to help these people. I don't care what you think about me. It's kind of funny because then they instantly, I heard of you. You're no longer a prince. And it's like, oh, that's what Zuko, that's like a gut punch for Zuko. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but so then, so that one, and he still, he does the right thing. He helps his family and he goes to give that knife back to Lee because he gave it to him. Uh-huh. And Lee goes, no, I don't, because he finds out he's, he's upset that he's a firebender, Zuko. He says, no, no, I hate you. And they walk away. And that's the end of that story for Zuko. That's the end of that story. <laughs> so sad. Zuko reaches out to someone for the first time, trying to make a, a, a real connection. And he gets shut they down. Shut him down. Yeah. He gets shut down eventually. It's sad. It's a really sad moment for Zuko in, a, in kind of a weird poetic way like it, it, it's good to watch him mm-hmm. go through it but man if if your heart doesn't hurt for him a little there uh you're not human. Yeah. that that moment stuck out to me because i have to imagine that is that specific moment with lee where lee says that he hates zuko for who he is and what he's done to the world and what yeah. the fire nation's done i think that's got to be the only instance maybe or the, the primary instance that he's referring to when he has his big season three moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, he gives yeah. a long speech. He talks about how people hate the fire nation. And, and, you know, after going back, it's like, Oh, this is, 
This is what the he's moment seeing. he's talking about. Yeah. What's great about this is this is just a, a, a result of war. This is not the Fire Nation coming in and destroying this village. This was this own village's militia, the 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 ragtag army, just being bullies. Zuko's yeah. like, wow, the people are infighting because of a war that we started. Like they're not even fighting us anymore. They're fighting with each other too. He just sees the total devastation that war can bring. Man, Zuko alone, one of the standouts of season two for me. And it's probably because Zuko is my favorite character of the series, but it's it's a really fascinating look at this journey that Zuko is. I mean, so I mean, we we knew Zuko for season one, but this is this is like the start of Zuko's journey. Yep. This next one, though, is where we get to see Toph have some conflict with the group. She realizes this is not working out. Toph takes off. We find out Iroh is following Zuko. Mm-hmm. He's very protective of him. Yeah, he is. And we're going to get to why. But it's, it's, it's really touching to see because you, you, when you're watching it and you don't have the context clues, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But then when they give you some more details later with the context clues and you're watching it back, you're just like, oh, my God, this is such an amazing detail. It's not, So this mm-hmm. episode, though, they, uh, they leave and we see Azula put the pressure on Team Avatar. Yeah. In a chase. They're being chased down. So uh, they're continually being tracked. Uh, and finally, they figure out it's because of Appa's fur. He's shedding. Yeah. Classic problem. So they wash him off. They get that problem solved. They do a nice fake trail of fur so Aang can meet up with this uh, this uh, pursuer. The whole team here is very separated. You have uh, Katara and Sokka that take off on the uh, on Appa one way. Aang goes a different way. Toph left at the beginning of the episode because she's like, I'm done with this group. Uh, I'm not going to help you. Uh, runs into Iroh. And her and Iroh have a nice convo about about their troubles. They have a cute little tea party and they don't know each other because Toph's new to the group. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they all meet up kind of in this deserted town. This was, this was one of the coolest moments of the season uh, of Aang's specifically is he is laying out this false trail of Appa's fur. Yeah. And he finally empties his bag of the last bit of fur he has. And so you think, okay, now he's going to fly back to his friends. Yeah. But instead, he just sits down at the end of the trail and waits for Azula. That's not normally how Aang would do it. He's having his season two moment. Yeah. (laughs) He learned from Kyoshi. He learned a little from Kyoshi. So can't run forever. Cannot run forever. He's in, you know, he's going to have a big battle coming up. So he knows that he needs to start punching back. He can't keep taking punches. So the end of this episode, we have a battle where everyone meets up together in this town. Toph, Iroh, Sokka, Katara, Zuko, Azula, and Aang. I mean, this is Uh every main character all in one spot. And Azula wants the Avatar. Zuko wants to fight Azula. Iroh wants to fight Azula. So it's it's everyone versus Azula, essentially. (laughs) Um, But we see... Now, this may be incorrect, but I think this is the first time we see someone lightning bend. Uh, it might be. We see Azula lightning bang, correct? Yeah, and she shoots Iroh and hits mm-hmm. him, makes contact. Mortally wounded. Mortally wounded. Zuko's beside himself because he's just met back up with him. Zuko's been on his own, and now, you know, he's mortally wounded. And there's a really cute part where Katara, her first instinct is she goes, Zuko, let me heal him. I can, I can heal. And Zuko, in a state of anger and upsetness, goes, no, leave us alone. Get out of here. And so they leave. 
But Katara's first instinct was to heal oh, Iroh, was yeah. to help. I, and that's been their enemy this whole time. And one common enemy Katara is willing to put aside their differences and say, oh, Zuko, let me heal him, please. Mm-hmm. And Zuko's not ready to, uh, to take that help just yet. And then this next episode is one I, I, I very much enjoy. It's uh, called Bitter Work. It's where Aang starts learning about earthbending from Toph. And he's, mm-hmm. not, he's not good at it. He really struggles. He picked up a waterbending really quickly, like kind of better than Katara quickly at the start. But so now <laughs> he's struggling with earthbending, though. Yeah. Which is not, he's not used, he's a master airbender. He's, you know. Well, it's because it's the opposite element to air. It's exactly. all about, you know, standing your ground and, and, and being firm. Uh, whereas airbending is about, evading redirecting yeah and he needs to learn some personality traits that he's not used to which is really cool uh the beginning and then this episode we see zuko healing iroh back to health there's a funny line where he wakes up and zuko's like oh uncle uh azula hit you with a surprise attack and iroh's response is somehow that's not too surprising (laughs) classic classic (laughs) iroh uh but then Zuko had never seen lightning bending either. So Iroh is like, well, it's a thing. Uh, And he tries to teach him and Zuko can't lightning bend. But so Iroh offers to teach him something else, which is redirecting lightning. And this is a a scene that I love on rewatch because Iroh goes through the four elements with Zuko. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. He goes through the four elements and he, Zuko's like, why are you telling me this? And he goes, cause I, I learned this move from watching waterbenders, the lightning redirect. We get a real good glimpse at Iroh's philosophy, the, the white Lotus, if you will, about Mm -hmm. drawing on knowledge from the four different nations. I know this is probably going to take just a second, but I actually have it transcribed. I want to read what he says about these four elements just cause This is what I'm talking about when each of these elements have like a personality type, uh, uh, a defining characteristic. And Iroh, of course, as only Iroh can do, sums it up perfectly. But so let me read this real quick. You're going to enjoy this. Fire is the element of power. The people of the Fire Nation have desire and will and the energy to drive and achieve what they want. Earth is the element of substance. The people of the Earth Kingdom are diverse and strong. They are persistent and enduring. Air is the element of freedom. The air nomads detach themselves from worldly concerns and found peace and freedom. Also, they apparently had a pretty good sense of humor, which Zuko does not laugh at. (laughs) Water is the element of change. The people of the Water Tribe are capable of adapting to many things. They have a deep sense of community and love that holds them together through anything. Whew, so good. If you take that framework and then go back and watch all the interactions in the first season and everything leading up to that moment, it's like, oh yeah, all those things are true. This is what we've seen. It's just the thoughtfulness. It's amazing writing. It's amazing Mm -hmm. writing. It's amazing attention to detail. It really characterizes these four elements. It takes something that's not, you know, uh, human and kind of m- makes it human. It, it puts a personality yeah. to it. And so Zuko goes, why are you telling me all this? He goes, it's important to draw wisdom from many different places. If you take it from only one place, it becomes rigid and stale. Understanding others, uh, the other elements and the other nations will help you become whole. 
it's so great because mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's, that's just a life lesson everyone can take. And, you know, Iroh's learned that that's a big part of what caused this war. The four nations are extremely divided. They don't draw from each other. They don't share cultural similarities. And Zuko, or excuse me, Iroh has gone through a whole journey before the show even starts. And we're catching glimpses of the things that he's learned in his life, the things that have shaped him to really become the, the wise, wise old man that he is. Yeah. And not, not to beat a dead horse, no. but this is the same lesson, the same arc that Aang is having to learn. This is why he's struggling with earthbending is because he hasn't really wrapped his mind around this yet. Um, And also the the first episode where Aang starts his formal earthbending training is an episode where Zuko starts to learn, you know, level up his firebending and learn how to redirect lightning. It's again, just tying these two together. They're following very similar paths, parallel paths. You said that last time. I really like that. Their story is very parallel to each other. Um, it's so good this relationship between Zuko and Iroh because I think when I was younger, I didn't understand Iroh's perspective as much. Okay. I didn't, I I didn't identify with Zuko, but as children and young people are, they're stubborn. What they don't understand, they don't understand. And I think that's, what's really great is I didn't see Iroh's care and like wanting and uh, to teach Zuko something better for himself before i guess i have a new appreciation from it seeing the 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 familial bond that iroh feels it's it's so funny because that's like what zuko is looking for and he can't Mm -hmm. see that he can't see it and that it's staring him right in the face it's uh oh yeah i mean even as a viewer i think everyone tends to to lean or empathize more with Zuko in this season, just because as a viewer, it's like, no, just teach him how to fucking shoot lightning. That'd be right? so cool to watch. But yeah. God, you know, they have a reason for everything they do. Uh, and Iroh, while you might not traditionally consider him one of the main primary characters of this show, his importance over all of it uh, is more apparent every time I go back to watch it. He is the moral compass. The difference, the conflict between Iroh and Zuko is really apparent here. They touched on it in season one that Iroh and Zuko didn't share similar philosophies, but now mm-hmm. we're getting into the, like the nitty gritty of it. You know, this is where we're really going to see a lot of things that get set up and we'll touch on them later. Let's get into the second half of this season um, because it's all really connected. The mm-hmm. first half, you get a lot of episodes that not stand still because they, they feed into each other, uh, but there's a little more self-contained plots where we're about to get into a string of episodes that are all connected. It's like a it's like a 10 to 12 episode run that's yeah. all one arc. Yeah. It starts, we're in the desert. We run into this dude. They uh, go to a bar. Did you catch that? They just straight up go to a bar that's serving fruity drinks. And they don't call it a bar, but uh, uh, serving fruity drinks. And they run into a professor of anthropology. He tells him about this library that he's looking for, this ancient, ancient library that's supposed to have more knowledge all than the knowledge it. in the world. Do yeah. they say I was going to, I didn't want to be hyperbolic, like I don't know. but yeah, I think it's all the knowledge Basically. in the world. Uh, but so they go searching with this guy uh, and it takes some convincing, but uh, Sokka, is strictly going there just for a map of the Fire Nation. 
Which this I love this about Sokka. That's so practical. Katara didn't think of that. Katara very well, you know, my mom would think to get a map, but Katara didn't. Sokka did. Uh, and then you know, Toph doesn't have much need for maps, so uh, that's <laughs> so True. they go with this dude to find this library, and they do. And it's underground now. It's not fully. It looks like a tower, but it's sunken into the sand. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, it's cool what we find there. Yeah, so it's uh, the the librarian. And is yeah. that what you would call him? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's a a giant owl spirit. He traverses the spirit and the, and the mortal world. And at first, he's reluctant to let them in because the last person, the last human to come into the library, had only used it for personal gain, uh, and it was Admiral Zhao who's looking it? for a weakness in the Northern water tribe. So Wanchitung is a little reluctant at first to let them, and he makes them promise not to, to use it for warfaring purposes. Well, they each uh, have to present him some new knowledge, which oh, I think is pretty true. cool. Yeah. But so they, they go in, they learn some important information, crucial. Some might say crucial information. They found a solar eclipse. And I love that these naturally sort of occurring events like effect bending. They tie, I mean, they really just immerse you in the reality of this world. So they find out when this solar eclipse is going to be and why it's important is because it's going to turn off fire bending. So this is big. This would be a good, a real big piece of info. If I was like, you know, a a rebel, that's what they are. They're the star Wars. They're the rebels. They're the last Mm -hmm. hope. And they've now, gotten like their ace in the hole while they're learning this information Toph is outside she Mm -hmm. has no use for books they don't do anything for her (laughs) don't blame her so she stays outside with appa and appa gets Gets kidnapped kidnapped. and you know it's not actually super sad at first because you would assume that this is not going to be too big of a plot point you're like you know what i'm saying you would imagine yeah, oh yeah. next episode we're gonna get up gonna get him back yeah and because that's what they do the very next episode is the search for appa is on mm-hmm. and we see ang get really really upset which yeah. i really like because appa is like really the the only thing that has like survived with him from before it's the his last years. piece of it's his last fr- friend so last reminder of the Earth King, or excuse me, I don't know. The Air Nomads, yeah. Yeah, and him flying around just blowing the, the Oppa whistle just oh, endlessly. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they go and they're looking for him and they find some of the sandbenders that they think took Oppa, Oppa. but yeah. Oppa's not there. And Aang has a freak out. He goes into the Avatar state and he just destroys everything in the area but before he goes like full avatar mode katara is able to calm him down to calm him down she just you know reaches for his hand holds him close and it's a really powerful image of him in the avatar state bawling but also very angry yeah it's it's really affecting like this show can really tug at the heartstrings sometimes it's an emotional moment story-wise but as you touched on uh visually it's a really impactful moment it's it's really like the crux of Aang's sadness, anger, uh, frustration. It's all coming to a head here. He's he's realizing he is not going to find Appa right away. Yeah, so he finds out the Sandbenders no longer have him. 
um, and they had sold them to some merchants who were uh, going to Bossing Things Say. Yeah. But before we move on to that, yeah. we need to touch on um, there's a little kind of B story going on here that uh-huh. Zuko and Iroh have both arrived in the same desert. Also, the two earthbenders. Yeah. Um, Hot on Toph's tail. That are looking for Toph have also arrived. And we've mentioned the White Lotus in Pi Show, this game that Iroh plays, and we get our first oh. glimpse into what it is. And you can sense there's some sort of secret society happening. Like they're making some sort of deal. They're, you know, making some sort of arrangements to, uh, you know, smuggle Zuko and Iroh out of there to get them or smuggle them into mm-hmm. Bossing Say. Correct. As refugees. Yes. Bossing Say is where all these roads lead to. And this is where all of our characters will meet. There's a little journey to get there, but I think the, the stuff that happens in Bossing Say is the most important. First off, there's the drill, which is just an amazing episode. A great start to finish. Uh, it's very Star Wars, destroy the Death Star-esque. Yeah, that's a good it's, analogy. It's really great to see um, the team have to come together. And, and as we mentioned in book one, they have not had much success. But like here, it's like really high stakes. It's kind of like, oh... We have to stop this. Yeah. It's just as they're arriving, you know. Yeah, it's right when they get there. Bossing say, like, oh, finally, some refuge. But, you know, as soon as they get a little bit closer, there's this giant Fire Nation machine that's trying to drill into the wall. Yeah. And they take it down. But when I say it like that, it it makes it sound like it's a tiny accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes a lot of work. It takes a little luck. It takes, you know what I mean, with the sludge. They didn't know that whole sludge. So what they end up doing is they cut the pillars in the middle of it with water bending. Uh, and this is our first time we hear the line, oh, I wish I could metal bend or something of that nature, which is a, a fun little, you know, nice throwaway for teaser, later. Yeah. yeah, because you're like, oh, it's like a joke. Like I think Sokka uh-huh. or, or Toph says it like, oh, it'd be real good time to be a metal bender. Wish that was possible. Like, so it's funny. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, okay. So that's not possible. Uh, I was going to say, you can also see because Azula arrives, you know, in short order. Uh, and you can see they've learned a little bit from their first fight back in Omashu with with Azula. Um, they've you know, they know to avoid Tylee's chi blocking hits and Aang is a little better equipped to, to fight Azula. And they have this showdown on top of the, the drill itself. And it's going yeah. towards the wall. Well, they're right near the wall too, which makes it kind of epic. They're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, watch out for that wall. Yeah. Um, there's a really cool moment where Aang creates like a, uh, an infinity gauntlet of stones. Like, not, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. That, but he like covers his fist. With, with stones. Rocks, yeah. it, it, well, he like takes it out of the wall too. It's really mm-hmm. a cool moment. And it's, it's a nice precursor to something he does in season three in his final battle. That's right. Yeah, it's great. It really shows he's, he learns. He gets better yep. as it progresses. So the drill, they get there, they stop it, which is nice. And now that catastrophe's out of the way, they're like, we got to speak with this Earth King. We need to tell him about the eclipse. This is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the mission uh, that they're on for the rest of the season. Is like they got to get to the Earth King and let him know about this strategic 
advantage they have coming up. Which they're there. It shouldn't be hard. He's the avatar. Uh, but that's not what happens. <laughs> it's not what happens at all. They get swerved several times. <laughs> First, we get to Bossing saying I touched on this a little bit earlier. They have different classes there. People live in different mm-hmm. subsects of the city. The the casts are literally separated by like lateral level at uh height height Height. there's a lower (laughs) ring a middle ring and an upper ring ang is not having this right now he wants Mm -hmm. appa and the earth king will not see him (laughs) (laughs) like you said before anytime they get close to to being able to rest to, to celebrate something like something happens so you think, oh, they're finally in the clear. They just had this epic battle. And they the won. Wall, and they, and won. they won. And they saved Ba Sing Se. And the Earth King won't even see them now. But we soon find out why. And I really like this. This is a good political twist. We meet... Um, Long oh my God. Fang. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. We meet Long Fang. And he's like the little finger, right? Isn't he like the, is that a decent comparison? That's a good comparison. Yes. He's like the little finger of Ba Sing Se. So mm-hmm. he is a political advisor to the king. And we learn that Long Fang is very nefarious. He's got something going on. Well, he also heads up a secret police force called the Dai Li. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Are these not all direct comparisons to China? Am I, am uh, I just totally well, off base here? Well, well, I looked into this because, again, Daily, I was like, that sounds vaguely Chinese. I'm going to look it up. So I did. And just the levels to the naming of the secret police force. So first of all, Daily, in Chinese, there's it's not like a direct translation where um, the letters D-A-I translate to one word. Like there's different sure. intonations that mean different things. One translation of Daily is agent, someone who has the authority to act on your behalf, a representative. Another translation is the type of conical hats that they wear. Yeah. More of like a, if you're like picking rice, like a straw hat in that shape, but they wear a, a conical hat. That same pronunciation also happens to be the name of a Chinese uh, spy master around the time of World War II who Stop. headed up a giant secret police force of like tens of thousands of agents. And so there's like three levels to the naming of this. When they put the time in, when they came up with Dai Li, how excited do you think they were, those two? Finding that? <laughs> like making that and finding that and being like, oh, I know that there's going to be Two dudes, 15 years from now, they're going to be the only ones who will get this, this triple entendre. That's amazing. I don't know. I, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I've said it before, but the time that is put into this, like, that's not something you just pick a name and say, okay, that's good yeah. enough. And then you work around it. Like someone really put a lot of time and effort. Someone did a lot of research for into that. Yeah. the Dai Li agents, which mm-hmm. is not a huge part of the show, but mm-hmm. uh, that's so great. And so uh, now I got to think about that while talking about them the rest of the season. But so yeah, Dai well, Li so agents. Long, yeah, Long Feng runs. Uh, Long Feng runs the Dai Li, the secret police force, um, and he's the chief advisor to the Earth King, but you realize that Long Feng has a lot of power because he keeps the king deliberately 
uninformed about what's going on so much so that the earth king is completely unaware that there is this hundred year war going on outside the walls he doesn't know that there was an invasion attempt you know mere days ago that ang just stumbled upon and saved uh bossing say from which is Crazy, but so also think about it. This Earth King's not that old. He was born after the Hundred Year War. You could keep a child from birth not knowing about a war. It's a very Tuesday and uh, not wrong thing. Um, what am I thinking of? That Jim Carrey movie, yeah, the Truman Show. I was the Truman to say Show. Tuesdays with more. <laughs> totally wrong, but so totally it's very Truman movie. Show. That's a great reference. Yeah. This guy doesn't know about the war that's going on. The Hundred Year War. The hundred year war he doesn't know about. It's crazy to think about that. So, and they did it because he's a figurehead. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to concern himself with that. Yeah. But so Long Fang, we've quickly realized, is holds all the power because he holds all the information. Yes. And so he's very little finger. Like I said it earlier, I stand by it. But so he has the Dai Li, uh, and he is not allowing the Avatar to talk to the Earth King and tell him this. Mm-hmm. While we're here, I guess before we get into the the climax of it all, they hit us with a nice slice of life episode is what I like to call it. Some call it filler, but this Mm -hmm. is not filler, my friends, because this is a very, very important plot point that happens in this episode. Tales of Ba Sing Se should be one of the all-time best episodes of any TV show, and you would never expect it because, like I said, it's what a lot of people would call filler. It's got maybe four goofy B stories. Six. six. Well, it's got six total stories, but I, I'm saying four of them are throwaways. Okay. That's Is that fair, fair to say? Yeah. Toph and Katara get a makeover. Sokka. Mm-hmm. What, I don't even know what Sokka does. Oh, he, he gets into a he rap like a- battle, poetry slam. <laughs> um, a haiku battle. A haiku battle. And then Aang makes a zoo. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's three stories that I don't care about. Momo. Yeah. Momo has one. I don't. Oh, no, no, no. Momo's oh, is great. Momo's Sorry. Is no, so no, 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 no. Stop. Yeah. Momo's is great. So, but then the two important ones, I uh, will get into Momo second, but the first one is Iroh and mm-hmm. Iroh's starts off the same feel as all the others. Goofy. Oh, it's Zuko's. The other story we're missing. Sorry. Zuko's is actually a great one too. So you know what? It's three and three. <laughs> I'll give it, I'll give it this episode's three important stories, three not important stories. Um, Let's start with Zuko's, actually. I think Zuko's is a good one to start with. Zuko, Tales of Bossing Say is like, what are these people? It's a passage of time. We realize mm-hmm. they, they're living here for a while now. They've been here, and they just have to hang out. It's just kind of weird for the pace of Avatar. Zuko goes on a date with a girl yep. that Iroh sets him up because this is just another one of Iroh's life lessons. Uh, I, I don't know if it's in this episode, but so Zuko at one point says like, I don't want to start a life here. And Iroh says life happens with or without you, like whether you're wherever you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is what he's talking about. Like Zuko's so concerned with like, what are we doing next? And Iroh's like, relax, nephew. Like, yeah. This pretty, all the roses. Yeah. Yeah. This pretty girl wants to, is like clearly wanting to go on a date with you. And it's so funny. Cause Zuko at the beginning of it goes, uncle, we're being watched. Someone spotted <laughs> us. Fire nation knows we're here. And it's just, it's a girl and she thinks he's cute. But so this is a very short story and this is all Zuko's date. Uh, the next one we'll go over is Iroh's. 
Um, and Iros starts like the other threes, pretty goofy. He helps a crying kid with a little song on this uh, guitar-like thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a cute little song, and the kid pulls his beard, and oh, it's funny. Uh, yeah. And then the really great moment before the so the good moment before the great moment is he is about to get mugged, and mm-hmm. he notices this dude is not like a, a, your typical mugger. He like fixes his stance, gives him life advice. He talks him out of mugging him, yeah. shares some tea with him, typical Iro stuff. Uh, and he convinces him that, you know, I can tell this is not what you are meant to be doing, buddy. So, and, and, and you know, you, you get a feel for how benevolent Iro is because you know he could take care of business if he needed to. Yeah. Not only just a stranger, someone who was about to do harm to him, Iro mm-hmm. still saw, not, didn't see good in him, but saw the value in just reaching out and saying, what, what's wrong? Why, what are, yeah. What's going on? And throughout the whole day, Iroh's collecting things. He's collecting, he's like shopping as he's helping all these people. And, oh God, it's, it's such a great moment. But he, the things that he's collecting, he takes to a tree and he sets up uh, a little memorial. Is that what you would call it? Yeah. A little memorial for his son who passed away in war. Uh, he little little incense and a picture of his son, mm-hmm. and he hits you with just the one line. All he says is, "If only I could have helped you." Oh my lord! And if that's not just a dagger to the gut, he spends all day helping everyone, and the one thing he just wishes is that he could have helped his son. Everything about Iroh makes sense. The We've backstory heard mention of his failures at Bossing Say, yep, where he tried to conquer this city. He makes light of it at some points and says, "You know, it's actually this a great, it's a great line. My biggest disgrace, yeah, yeah, it's a great line because it's really comedic." He's like, "Who would have thought after all these years I'd return to the scene of my greatest military disgrace? Beat, beat as a tourist, and he's like got a hat on, <laughs> yeah." But it, it it all starts to make sense, and we get in you know a sense of why Iroh is the way he is. He's lost the most important thing in his in life, his life his to son. this war, and he lost he lost the reasoning for the war. He was like, yeah. "What are, what are we doing? Why is this? Why?" And so, yes, it it's really encapsulates what Iroh is about in such a short time, and that's yeah. it's it's my favorite part of the whole part. And then he sings the song that he sang to the little boy in town, but he sings it while crying. And yeah. it's, it's just so touching. And at the end of it, it also says in memory of Mako, who is the voice actor who passed away mid season. Yeah. The episode's dedicated to him. I would say th- this is probably the most important of the little vignettes we see in this episode. Yeah. hundred um, percent. The Momo one is important plot wise for moving mm-hmm. forward, but that one line of if only I could have helped you gives us an incredible look into this character's motivation. It also informs so much of his relationship with Zuko. Cause I mean, Oh my God. The first two seasons, you know, you kind of exp- rationalize it as, Oh, that's his uncle. He'd be giving him advice anyway, but he's so insistent. He's so stubborn about making sure making Zuko sure. goes down the right path because he <sighs> lost his son pursuing all the things that zuko is that's why and so he doesn't give up on zuko he follows zuko zuko leaves him he follows because he he feels like he failed his son he can't fail zuko 
mm-hmm. just can't. He he see oh, it's so touching. It's it's really amazing writing. Just amazing yeah. writing. And I just I, I I literally can't overstate the importance of how impressive it is that they get it across in mm-hmm. such a short time. And so the last little vignette of this episode, and we're spending a lot of time on this one episode, which I previously probably inappropriately called filler. But the last little vignette is uh, Momo. Um, and we don't need to get into it. It's a misadventure. He runs around the town, but, but he's, he's looking, looking for, for Appa. Really he's looking for Appa. You're he right. Ties, he sees Appa. You know, he sees Claus passing by that he mistakes right. for Appa. It's cute. He sees, you know, the silhouettes of trees that he thinks is Appa. He finds, uh, and, and this is where you know something is up, which leads into the next episode. Um, he finds Momo a finds print. a little prints and some Appa's fur, which we we've seen in previous episodes this season is easily trackable. He sheds. Um, and so Momo in this really cute little touching moment ties Appa's fur around his wrist and goes looking for him. These two are characters. Yeah. They have no lines, but we really learn a lot about these two animals. They have personalities Mm -hmm. and they care for each other. Momo misses Appa. It's really cute. And he gets a clue. He finds out, though, that Appa is in Ba Sing Se. Yeah. This is in a full 23 minutes. That's essentially almost entirely a silent film of Appa's journey that he's been on since he was captured in the desert. Yeah. Six episodes back. Yeah. And we could go through it step by step and we'll get to the where he ends up. He runs into the Kyoshi Warriors. That's probably a good plot point. But the important part of this episode is the fact that it's a 23 minute episode about a flying bison and this bison doesn't talk, but we go through this journey with Appa. We are mm-hmm. right there along and it's a rough one. It is real rough. He doesn't have food. He doesn't have water. He's tired because he's on the run. He gets captured. He's in the circus. He, and there's a lot of animal cruelty going on. That's mm-hmm. and Appa is distraught. And what's really crazy is after he's been captured he lashes out at every human he sees from that point on yeah he runs into guru patik which is this is the that's first a plot point meet. another plot this point the first another, time yeah. we meet guru patik yes and um, so he doesn't trust him but he eventually lets him like they they become buddies yeah. and guru patik is able to tie a, a letter on to Appa. That's a plot point. But so w- what I was getting at is it's really crazy how they were able to encapture the life of an animal. You know, if you're going to mistreat an animal in that circus that he's in poorly, mm-hmm. he Appa is not going to trust humans moving forward. It's a very yeah. similar thing when you get with dogs. If you have a dog that's aggressive with humans, you look back and you can usually find an instance where a human mistreated it. So Appa gets to Bossing Se, where he gets captured mm-hmm. by none other than Littlefinger. Yeah, Lao Fang. Long Fang. We this is also semi-flashback, which means Appa's been in Bossing Se. Should make mm-hmm. that clear. Yes. Aang's been there waiting for to speak with the Earth King, which is gonna be a month or two. <sighs> he's just been there. And mm-hmm. Long Fang knows he's looking for him. And he keeps him there. He's manipulative, very manipulative. And so 
I don't even know what episode we're on, but this whole, cause this whole thing, it's all just a connected story. Now it's all, yeah. it's, it's all together. Well, but next so, they head to Lake Loud guy. So yeah, we got a jet now is back. Jet knows, he knows that yep. Zuko and Iroh are firebenders and he's pissed. So he's angry and he's like stalking them. He's obsessed. He confronts and, them in their tea shop that they've opened and he gets arrested. Because because yeah, they have a fight. This is actually, oh, this is also another great fight. But so, do you remember why? So he doesn't actually get. So he gets like kicked out of the store for starting the fight. But do you remember why he gets arrested? He gets arrested because he's yelling, "They're Fire Nation! They're 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 uh, they're here undercover! They're they're here to attack! It's part of the war! There is about no the war. war in Boston. There is no war. Yeah. And he gets taken to Lake Lao Guy where he, I'm just not even going to beat around the bush uh, build up wise. He gets brainwashed. Yeah. And Lake Lao Guy had been, uh, there mentioned. had been some mentions of it because that's where Judy, Judy's are taken to be trained, <laughs> to be, you know, indoctrinated. We heard Long Feng say, the Earth King has invited you to Lake Lao Guy. Yeah. It's so frustrating because we're here the earth kingdom should be on our side against the fire nation, but it's just another goddamn obstacle for them. <laughs> they need to fight the earth nation to get the earth nation to help. Yeah. So long Fang has a lot of moving pieces here. He's brainwashing people. He's got Appa. He is controlling what information gets to the earth King and he's got control of the daily. And we may be going out of order here, but we see the blue spirit come back. Yeah. The blue spirit. Also makes his way to Lake Cloud Guy. We get this great scene where they're both about to enter a room, or we see Appa, the room that he's chained up in, and yes. it looks like Team Avatar is about to bust into the room. And mm-hmm. it turns out they bust into a room where the Dai Li is, and it's actually Zuko that is entering the room where Appa's being held prisoner. Mm-hmm. And this is a big win for him if he's trying to capture the Avatar. He's got yeah. he's got Appa. He's got Appa, but he decides to set Appa free. Well, Iroh shows up, gives him that last minute piece of advice. He hits him with the, you have to look inside yourself and ask the big questions. Like, what do you want? And what do you represent? And it's, just, oh, it's so impactful because Zuko's really torn here on what to do. Yeah, this is the episode where he becomes physically ill from this inner conflict. Af- this inner well, afterwards, yeah, because, well, because he sets up free, like you said. So another little bit of redemption for Zuko. Uh, but uh, so back to Lake Lao Guy, they beat the Dai Li there. They expose Long Fang for what he is. And Long Fang gets thrown in jail. And this is great because it's a little bit of a spoiler for season three. But Jet does not make it out of Lake Lao Guy. And they mm-hmm. don't really touch on it. Uh, no. In season three, they have a joke. They're like, did Jet die? And so Sokka goes, you know, it was really unclear. And it was. <laughs> it it's was. funny <laughs> because it's really unclear. It's so funny because... Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, did they kill off a character? <laughs> yeah. I, I know he's like a, a B tier character, but he shows up twice in the series. But yeah, it's crazy. They it's kill weird. him off. So after they get out of Lake Lagai, they're reunited with Appa. And again, this this comfort, this refuge is short-lived. The next episode, they split them all up. Appa delivers the letter to Aang. Yes. So we Aang, find out there's water tribe near Bossing Say. Mm-hmm. Toph gets a supposed letter from her mother. From her mother. Yeah. So she so wants great. to go see her mother. So they're all like, you know what? We got things we need to do. And Katara stays to actually help with the invasion plan. Because she knows how much Sokka wants to see their dad. Which is a yeah. great sibling moment. She's like, look, yeah. we have things we need to do. 
uh, I know you need to see dad. You go do it. It's great. Yeah. Love that. Love that sibling bonding. But so they all split up. Aang takes Sokka to see his dad. And it's such a touching reunion. We've never met his dad. Well, we saw him in a flashback just once. We see, we see him in the Appa episode. Appa flies over an, a Southern Water Tribe ship. And, wow. Uh, wow. I didn't catch it. And Sokka's father looks up. I thought it was Bato at first. No, it's Dakota. That's crazy. So Aang is going to go um, to the Master temple. Master the Avatar state. Yep. With he has Gu- to go meet Guru Patik. Yes. Who we so also we're, met. So we're getting to the climax of this episode, but here's yeah. the, the calm before we, we get a lot of good news all at once, mm-hmm. so they, but they split up, which, you know, if they learned anything from Scooby-Doo, don't, don't split, split up. up, don't <laughs> split up. Um, but Sokka has a really cute reunion with his father. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll just get into, I, I know it's a little out of order, but so it's real cute. Cause you have the flashback where Sokka's all ready to go to war when he's a little kid. And his dad says, no, you need, you need to stay here, Sokka. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we get the moment where they need to get ready for battle real quick. They need to move out. And he goes, uh, prepare for something. And all, all other men, uh, prepare for battle. And he goes, dad, what do you want me to do? He goes, didn't you hear me? All other men prepare for battle. And that's literally all Sokka's ever wanted in life. Yeah, that's all he's wanted to hear. Uh, and it's so touching and it, ah, it's so great. It's so great because you know, it's a touching moment on the surface. It's just a nice touching moment, but mm-hmm. with the building box blocks with the building blocks and the context from season one, we really know how much that means to Sokka. Yeah. Um, We've seen him growing as a leader this, this whole series, but yeah. in this moment, he finally gets the approval that you recognition had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And that's kind of the way why he is the way he is. And he's finally got that uh, recognition from his dad. Not that his dad wasn't willing to give it before, but that's what he was seeking out. Yeah. And he might've been a little too young to comprehend at that, at that point. It's great. It's so good. Um, well, so Toph gets captured. That's the shortest one. We can, we can do that. And those earthbenders tricked her and it's mean that they played on an insecurity of hers. I don't like yeah. that. I think that's too devious even for me. So the letter from her mother was faked by the two earthbenders that were pursuing her and she gets captured in a metal box, giant metal box. box. And then we go to Aang who is learning to get in and out of the avatar state in his own control from Guru Patik, who Mm -hmm. is a spiritualist. And he's teaching Aang about the chakras. Now, Evan, did you know anything about chakras before avatar? I did not. No, it's a nice, tutorial a chakra for dummies if you will you yeah. know there's a lot more to it but they really they nail i didn't know about chakras beforehand but it made me look into them and mm. they were 100 percent accurate they did their research and it's oh, great yeah. how they were able to tie it into the story of the elements you know because four of the chakras are named after elements as well this side of the show this real dedication um appreciation for spirituality outside of your normal, I'd say Christianity. Mm-hmm. I really love that they highlight this. And because this is not like a religious thing, knowing what your chakras are and knowing how to clear the pathways. And it's great because they touch on it too, is if one thing is bothering you, if one thing's bothering one of your chakras, it's going to affect everything else. Yeah. I, I think that's what's so, what sets this series apart is Avatar is kind of, uh, 
in the same vein as as classic animes like Dragon Ball Z or Naruto. All of these anime shows where the focus is always on the main character yeah. getting stronger, having to train, yeah. learning a new technique. Power up. After it feels like that, where there's this avatar mode, there's a Super Saiyan mode he can tap into. But the way he has to achieve it is not through training or anything. It's just by being emotionally intelligent and yep. and looking inward and reflecting and and being able to connect with himself emotionally and spiritually. And that's what makes this series so profoundly different yeah. from all of its predecessors, all of the things that it's kind of. And I'm not going to go through to. each one one by one because I I don't know them well enough. I would be lying here, sitting here trying to teach everyone about chakras but it's an interesting read that's what a lot of this is is looking inward finding something that's disrupting you and being able to address it and either let Mm -hmm. it go or you know each one's different so but it gets to the climax where ang needs to let go of all worldly possessions if he truly wants to be able to get into the avatar state he needs to have a sense of something that's Mm -hmm. bigger than himself you know, if Aang dies, Aang yeah. himself is not going to be happy about that. But the Avatar will live on. So he needs to be yeah. okay with the fact that if, if he dies, he dies. That's part of the cycle. That's part of this journey. Yeah. He needs to be able to detach himself from the notion of, uh, of living like a long, happy life if he wants to fully be able to avatar it up if he's able to he needs Mm -hmm. to if he has to make the sacrifices he needs to he would have to be able to lay down his life for others right away when uh guru patik talks about worldly attachments uh he doesn't mention you know people specifically but ang immediately snaps and says why would i let go of katara or something along those lines he says two chakras ago katara was a good thing why why am i letting (laughs) that go now yeah it's great because that's his lightning instinct was no why would i do that but then he gives it a try Mm -hmm. because he knows he has a responsibility he has a job and he starts to and as he's gaining this sort of like all being sentient power he senses that katara has is in trouble uh the the kiyoshi warriors that have shown up in bossing say are actually azula and her cronies in disguise uh but so katara's in trouble and Mm -hmm. ang without debating it, decides, nope, I'm going for Katara. And Guru Pratik even warns him, this will close off the Avatar state from you forever. You won't be able to Still, tap into it. And jumps. Doesn't it, not, not another word about yeah. it. So yeah. Aang's heading back. Toph is struggling in the metal box because she can't earthbend in it. And she slowly starts mm-hmm. to realize, well, it's actually Guru Pratik who says it, but it, it's, it's over the visual of Toph realizing Metal, uh, Guru Patik says, even metal is mm-hmm. just earth that's been refined. Everything's, everything's related. Everything's connected. Yeah. And Toph is learning that as she's in that metal box. It's cool they're learning the same lesson. But so she breaks out. She learns to metal bend. She, she doesn't just learn to. She invents yeah, metal bending. It's real badass. Because as I mentioned about half a season earlier, they have the throwaway line of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to metal bend? And it comes back into play. And she does it. Uh-huh. And she those two earthbenders who were really smug that they captured her, 
get shoved in the middle box and mm-hmm. get their just desserts. And Toph yells, I am the greatest earth bender in the world. <laughs> and she is, she and probably she is. is. She invented metal bending. You're right. That's, that's no small feat. She invented metal bending, uh, but she's yeah. heading back to bossing say, and Zuko yeah. and Iroh have their new tea shop that they own. And it's gaining a lot of traction. And Azula finds out that Zuko's in the city. And so she invites them to have tea for the Earth King, which is like a great honor. So why would they do that? And they show up and it's a trap. Yeah. Because of course it is. Another great, one of the hundred great Iroh lines. Mm -hmm. uh, They're about to get into a fight. And he goes, have I ever told you how I got my nickname of the Dragon of the West? She goes, we don't have time for your old battle stories, uncle. And he goes, it's more of a demonstration. And he spits fire all around the room. It's really badass. It's one of my favorite <laughs> moments in the whole series. You know, I, I wish they would give Iroh more bending battles. He does a fair amount, but I would love to see. He's just yeah, got so he, much That's not sleeve. part of his character. Fighting is not his first instinct. Mm-hmm. So It's very air nomad of him. He draws from all four nations. Everything about Iroh, yeah. he draws from different <laughs> nations. It's great. So great. But so Zuko's captured. Katara's captured. They're thrown in these crystal mine caves. Toph, Sokka, and Aang all meet back up. Sokka has to leave his dad, which is pretty sad because they just had that beautiful touching mm-hmm. moment. Uh, they all show up, and we are at the climax of this. We are here. This is it. This is the fight. Bam. It's intense. There's a lot that happens. So first, they start to earthbend. Well, first they find uh, Katara and Zuko, who are sharing a, quite the tender moment in jail together. Um, hot topic mm-hmm. in the community. Did you ever ship the two of them? Did you ever wish that they ended up together? I didn't. Um, but I saw a, a Twitter thread today, actually, about how this this person tweeting one of their big disappointments in the series as great as it is is that Katara never you know for all the character development she has she still ends the series being kind of Aang's prize per se like he gets the girl she um whereas eh, it feels more earned she has to I'm do gonna a get lot to of, that in book three do... I don't agree with that take actually okay I'm not explaining it very well, but <laughs> okay. the, gist, <laughs> the gist of it was that uh, Katara has to do a lot of like nurturing for Aang and he never reciprocates. He never checks in with her emotionally. Uh, Sometimes he even lashes I, I will out give you her. that point. And then Whereas I, I'll concede that one. There's an episode. Yeah. There's an episode in season three where um, even after this moment, they kind of see each other and, and hear each other's emotional pains and Zuko is kind of that lens yeah. that year. I gotcha. Well, so back to this though, they're in a cave. They share a very tender moment. Katara actually, well, it's really nice because she goes, they're fighting and she goes, the fire nation killed my, took my mother away from me. And Zuko hits her with a, that's actually something we share in common. And it's real yeah. eye opening. This is another one of Zuko's travels, yeah. another one of Zuko's life lessons along the way, but it's also open eye opening for mm-hmm. Katara. I yeah. think in some ways, it comes into play in season three. But so Katara offers to heal Zuko's scar with the magic water that she has from the Northern water uh, temple, uh, which is really touching because they're mortal enemies that literally 10 minutes earlier, they mm-hmm. were screaming at each other. It's, it's really nice. I, I don't know. I ever ship the two of them, but I definitely catch hints of romance in it. 
it makes you wonder well, that kind of would have been fun to yeah. see. Um, but yeah. Ang and Iro going, going down, down into, into the, the tunnel. I have my 90th yep. Iro quote. I would like to say, <laughs> go for it. Ang says, Toph says that you give some pretty good advice. And Iro goes, yeah, what do you hit me with it? He's like a bartender. Ang mm-hmm. says, I left, uh, I, I couldn't give up Katara in order to, I was trying to master the avatar state. He explains to him the situation. And he mm-hmm. says, and the, the guru Patik says, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I know I have this responsibility. And I wrote, I, I like it too, because he thinks about it for a second. He doesn't just respond. He, he, there's a, like just a small beat. Pulls it over it just for a yeah. second. And he goes, perfection and power are overrated. I think you are very wise to choose happiness and love. And That's it's a good one because yeah. Aang's going to really take that into heart later on uh-huh. in season three, which I, I won't get into, but it's a great <laughs> line. So Aang and um, Iroh show up to Katara and Zuko and they find them and there's reunions and it's real touching and nice. Then Azula shows up and we skimmed over it, but she has taken over the Dai Li. Uh, completely. She has overthrown the Earth King and taken over the Dai Li now. And we get one of the best fights outside the final fight of the series, which is Azula and the Dai Li versus Aang and Katara. And Azula says, like, join me, brother. Like, let's, let's finish this job and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get this done together. We'll take, we'll take on the Avatar. We'll take him because if you remember, when they were all against her, she ran. She was outnumbered. She knew. So she's so manipulative. She takes over the Dai Li. She does a lot of, uh, we've really skimmed over in this season, but her character, they prove it several times. She gets into like verbal battles with people and wins them over. It's very manipulative. Super manipulative. And this is a great yeah. move on her part because she knows she can't take them all on together. She mm-hmm. gets Zuko to flip. And Zuko has had so much redemption this season, so much empathy from the audience that you're the audience. If if you were like me, you're thinking, no, no, this is it. This is where Zuko's going to side with the avatar. This is what we've been waiting. Like this is, this is his do or die moment. Nope. He doesn't do it. He he lets him down. Yeah. He turns on. It's very jarring because we spent the whole season building him up as a protagonist. Yes. And he still he flips, flips because at the end of it's, the day, he wants like, his honor back. What is it like? Tell me. It's like Jamie Lannister. Oh, at my the end God. Of he oh, my Lord. It's uh. literally just like that. Uh, Jamie's I was angry. Oh, well, I, well, that's because yeah. that's how Jamie ended. We have a third season, at least yep. not getting into spoilers. But this is a big this mm-hmm. hurts Zuko turning and it turns the tide yeah. of battle between the Dai Li two firebenders. Uh, also, I just want to mention Katara's waterbending has improved triumphantly. She's got the eight octopus arms that she is using extremely well uh, to fight many different mm-hmm. opponents at once. And Aang's doing great too. Um, Aang taps into the Avatar state. He taps into the Avatar state, and Azula pulls out that signature move lightning. Bam! Mm-hmm. Zaps Aang down right when it looks yeah. like they're about to win. 
It's mm-hmm. an, it's another loss that they have. Mm-hmm. This season is really where we start to see them gain momentum and start winning. And it, we start to see Zuko turn a little. And so you're like, oh, they're gaining some steam. They're gaining momentum. And it comes crashing down in one bolt of lightning. Bam. Hit. He falls. He's out. He's down. He. It's a really nice touch. He has a, a, a scar on his back from where the lightning entered. He also, if you ever catch it, has a scar on his foot because the lightning had to leave somewhere. And so it's a really tiny detail. That's really nice. What? Yeah. It's I've on the never, bottom of his foot. I will have to go. Oh, your, your mind's going to okay. be blown. But so <laughs> Katara, I think the whole gang, but no, Katara gets them out of there. They meet up with the gang and they're flying off on Appa. Mm-hmm. Well, Iroh distracts. You're right. He fends off. That's Azula when, that's the, the moment he comes yes. in and it's a great, yep. yeah, Iroh, woo! but he gets captured. He can't, overtake them all as no as soon as as soon as katara and you're right he stops there, stops he just fighting. Uh, puts oh my god you're right he stops fighting yes. and he just shakes his head at zuko because he doesn't want to fight his he doesn't want to fight zuko he and you can tell it stings for zuko he's it's so hard you know what season two season two is the season of Iroh. yes it's so great it's so it's Oh my God. Iroh is literally great because you see him start to succeed and turn Zuko, but then to see him mm-hmm. fail, you can see the disappointment on his face. You can see it. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. It's hard yeah. because Iroh is really disappointed. And also the fans are really disappointed. We, we just took a big loss, big L, mm-hmm. big L for team avatar. Oh yeah. But luckily Katara has that magic water. Thank God she didn't heal Zuko's scar. Because she's able to use it to heal Aang, presumably back to life. Right? Yeah. Like, I think, I think so, so too. Yeah. I think he was dead and he comes back. But that's how we end the season. That was literally my only note is, what a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. We end with our main character on the brink of death. And they're running. They're fleeing. running again. <laughs> Their biggest ally is now overtaken by the enemy. Yep. And it just ends. That's it. Now no what? Hope. Nope. No hope. Now what? It's a really rough ending. But mm-hmm. maybe I'm sick. But I also think that's part of what makes this season so good is because, like I said, it was kind of a fake out. We start gaining momentum. We start seeing them succeed with the drill. They get up. Like there's a lot of wins. Uh, but there's a lot. Yeah, of the, the lows there's are low. The lows are really low. Appa is yeah. gone. The they end on a low note. But the highs are the highs. You know. We're getting there. We 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 see progress. We can mm-hmm. see it coming. Um, something that, wow. And I'm just realizing. So, uh, dang. Wow. Okay. So I just sorry. I, I just had an on moment Walk epiphany. So it. I realized the season ends visually with Ang in Katara's arms, and I realized also yes. season one ended with Ang and Katara hugging at the Northern Water Tribe. Uh, and it like zooming out season three ends with Aggie Katara hugging <laughs> every season ends with them in an embrace. That's amazing. Yeah. So I only actually connected the first two and then I was like, Oh, that's okay. cool that they do both those. And I was like, what about the third? And that was, so that was my, my thought process there. And it's wow. It, it tracks. Yeah. But so what an amazing season. I, we've covered everything thematically. I just uh-huh. want to go over earth as an element. Sure. We touched on it in Iroh's speech, but it represents the characters and the feel of 
this season. He, I'll go over just real quickly. Mm-hmm. He says, the people of the Earth Kingdom are diverse and strong. They are persistent and enduring. That is what this season is all about. Book two is all about getting stronger, learning some diverse yeah. skill sets, which it's word for word what he says it, <laughs> that Earth is. So book two, Earth, is uh-huh. about Aang getting stronger, Zuko learning new skill sets. It's about diversity. And then he also says they are persistent and enduring. This whole season is about them having some really high highs, but also some really low lows and never giving up and never leaving a man behind. They are always oh, enduring. Yeah. But Mike, I, if okay. I could drop my mic, that would... It, <laughs> Please don't, but yeah. Yeah, good point, don't. <laughs> um, thematically, we, I, I went over a little bit of it. Book one, we talked on water. They are able to incorporate the element that the book is about in the theme and the tone of the season itself. It's, it's really stunning. Mm-hmm. It's really great to see. I love it. I, mm-hmm. That was what I really wanted to, that was like my last point in all honesty. I, I really feel like it's such yeah. a great encapsulation of what this season's about. I can't imagine watching that season finale in real time. Having to wait a year? Waiting, Yeah, waiting a year. I'd be pissed. Like, what a huge fucking cliffhanger, yeah. yeah. And it, oh, God. Oh, my God. Book three is going to be... I'm excited because I'm going to watch some, uh, book three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be really good. That's going to be coming up next. Yeah, I, so if everyone needs to watch it, everyone watch it because I, I am full on this hype train again. I was on it when we <laughs> did my rewatch just a couple months ago. And now I'm just, I'm fully immersed again. It's awesome. <laughs> um, we touched on a couple fights this season. What would you say your, your favorite fight is? It's got to be the one at the end. The, okay. the, the yeah. Dai Li, the Firebenders, Aang and Katara. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so much going on. It's so fun to watch. So many... Like I said, there's so many unique things that pop up that are new in that battle. And the yeah. only irredeemable quality is that Aang loses. What about yeah. you? What was your favorite fight? Oh, man, I've got a couple. <laughs> I don't think I can pick a favorite, Let's hear to be it. honest. Um, I do love the mid-season one where everyone is uh, facing yeah. Azula. There's this one sequence in it where Aang jumps into like the second story of a building Azula chases after him. Uh, and then when she's like up in the windowsill, she notices there's no like floor. And so she kind of teeters on the edge, sidesteps. Zuko chases after both of them and being the younger, hot headed, uh, foolish. Uh, foolish isn't the right word. Younger, but the hot head. Yeah. Jumps in head first. Yeah. Yeah. He jumps in head first. Uh, doesn't have time to consider evaluate the land yeah. <laughs> uh, or like the building he jumps into and then falls straight yeah. down and Aang is floating above and it, it had this very like Jackie Chan yeah. movie or even Jackie Chan animated series feel to me where they are dancing around like the the scaffolding of this you know that's a good one that's a good comparison building. it's like Rush Hour I yeah. love the new adventures of Jackie Chan there were a couple other fights I wanted to mention. Well, one going back to that first fight, fight the mid-season one with Azula. I, I just the moment where Aang before this fight even happens uh, is making the trail of Opposfer, and then he just sits down at the end. Of yeah, it. that is so such, badass. That is the em- embodiment of season yeah. two for me. He's stand your ground, Earth. Yeah. He's Ugh, like the themes fit. I'm tired of this war. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to end it right yep. here and now. We're doing this. Face it's it great. head on. Um, another fight 
Uh, I like Zuko at first jet in the tea shop because there's no bending involved. None. It's just a really cool sword fight. And then the last thing I wanted to mention is in the final fight of mm-hmm. the season, Aang does this one move before he goes into the Avatar state. It's just sure. this one move that I think is my favorite move I've seen of any of the bending elements is he like runs really fast, comes to an abrupt standing stop and shoots like an air silhouette. Yeah. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's really cool. It made me laugh so much. It's great, but but it's it's like, he just made himself like a a sail basically. But that's, what's great about this is they always surprise you in a fight scene. It's none of them are repetitive, as I said. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you highlighted all those things because there's a ton of amazing fight scenes in in this season. And uh, we're only going to get, you know, more, more good ones to come. Yeah, season two is such a trip because, I mean, we spent so much time talking about the second half of it. It's a whole season in itself. The second half of it is one 10-episode long story arc. And it all starts with them losing Appa. It starts with a failure. Oh, and it ends with a failure. God. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so good writing, but it's frustrating as a viewer. So, yeah, we'll be going on to to book three, Fire, next. I think... I'm excited. I'm going to have to restart it and, and, and really look for these thematic. They're there, bro. They are there. Okay. But so yeah. uh, that's where we leave everyone in dishevelment besides mm-hmm. Azula. Even Zuko's not too happy with what just transpired. Yeah. But, you know, he's going back to the Fire Nation, a, a war hero. Yeah, this is what, uh, hypothetically, at least. That's what he wanted. On the surface, this is what he's been after yeah. since the beginning of the series. I'm excited, though. It's going to be fun. If you haven't watched it or you plan on watching along with us, uh, started up in Flamio Hot Man. That'll be the episode uh, name for for three. You're right. Yeah, that'll. Be, I don't know how I didn't think of that. That's so true. All right. Well, hey, thank you everyone. If you stuck around this long and listened to us, uh, please join us next time. And uh, of course, reach out to us if you have any thoughts or uh, love or disagree with anything we said. We we would love to hear it. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. So do us for